morning. It's good to be with you here this morning. Uh, I hope that you've been enjoying the weather. It's been pretty nice. Uh, it's almost like we're out in uh, Saskatchewan on the prairie where it's getting close to 40 degrees. Okay, well, we're almost 30. or out at the coast. Beautiful weather. I hope you got to enjoy it. My nephew was over this week and he's got four little ones, so um, we enjoyed the sunshine. We even put the sprinkler out so they could run around and kind of cool down a little bit. Hope you've been enjoying the beautiful weather. This morning we're continuing in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to Mark chapter 14, and we're going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're going to look at how Christ modeled for us, how he processed trials, and pull out some things by way of, as we look at his life, how we can ask ourselves, when we go through trials, what are some of the things that we can do, like him, that will help us to process those trials better? Well, before we start, let's just ask ourselves... What trials have, have you gone through? What has that been like for you? How have you dealt with difficult situations in your life? Uh, maybe uh, a relationship that's gone sideways or ended. Um, maybe loss of, of job, uh, loss of uh, oh, school. School's going to look different in the fall. How have you carried that? This whole COVID-19 virus and the pandemic that we now are in has had huge effects on all of us in so many ways. So we can apply some of the things as we walk through and watch how Jesus went through the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll be able to apply some of those things to our current reality, as well as past things that we walk through and even future things that we might walk through. So let's just, let's just do a bit of context. We've got chapter 13. There, uh, Pastor Matt talked about uh, the parts about keep watch, uh, be ready, uh, be vigilant. Be, be, be on your guard. Be ready for what God has for you in this time so you won't miss Him. Won't miss Him in your life and won't miss what it is He wants to do in our world and in and through you. That's chapter 13. We come to 14. It starts off with Mary anointing Jesus. And last week, Trent talked about that whole situation and he kind of invited us to consider the beauty of wastefulness. Then in the passage, we continue to go and we have the Passover celebration. And Jesus takes the Passover celebration and he changes it to the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. Then we go to the place where Jesus and the disciples talk about how faithful they'll be. And Jesus talks about the fact that actually everyone will deny him, even Peter. And then we come to the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, so let's go to the... Let's go to the uh, First verses here, chapter 14, 32, let's start there. They went, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus, Jesus was traveling with his friends. Jesus was doing life with his friends. Jesus had friends. And because he had friends, he called them to walk with him in a time that was very difficult. Certainly you and I can take a step back and ask ourselves, do we have people in our lives where we can call on them because we have a commitment and an understanding in a relationship? 
where they can call on us and we can call on them? Do we have friends like that? You know, in the in the home group that I'm in, we, we walk alongside each other. We celebrate birthdays and celebrate our kids and we help each other paint our houses and fix things in our in our lives. But I don't do that for everyone. Even though I might be on a task team that helps the church to do that better with the greater group of people that we have here, I'm not able to go to all of your birthday parties. Even though I might like to, maybe you might not like me to be there, but um, that, that, would be, that would be more than I could, I could accomplish. But I can have some close friends where actually part of our mutual understanding is we celebrate each other and we do life together. We can even push that out a little bit further and understand that when we have close friends, we can actually not only celebrate, but call them to walk alongside us in difficult times. And this is what Jesus does here. So he's got the eight. He asks them to stay. Then he takes three. Peter, James, and John, verse 33, as we've already read, says, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. So, so here, what Mark is doing is he's mirroring back and reminding us of Peter, James, and John. That's the what happened earlier in the book with the transfiguration. And when they were at the transfiguration, there was a divine voice that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. While they are there with Moses and Elijah, and it's this picture of the reality of who God is. He's reminding us of that. And this picture of who Moses and Elijah are, they've been glorified. And actually, Jesus will be glorified even more than them. He's reminding us of that, and the reader will catch that. So for us as well, it's hope for us. And then it says, he became deeply distressed and troubled. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus expresses himself. We'll come to that a little bit more. But he takes these three. I've, I've heard it said that there was kind of the multitude, the 150. There was the 70 that at one point in time Jesus sent them out. There was the 12. There was the inner three. And there was the beloved. I think as well what Jesus can model for us here or is modeling for us and what we can learn from it is that in your life and mine, we have kind of a group of people that's, uh, you know, 150 or so that we know, maybe attend church here. We have lots of acquaintances and we have the opportunity to do life with them at a certain level. Then we have some that are a little closer. Then we have the 12, that group of people that that Jesus models is really helpful in that they walk closer with us as we do life. And then there's the three and the one. The three and the one isn't in disregard to the other eight. If, if, if in your life you walk around and you see at your workplace that some people, they get along with each other better. Some people hang out and they do lunch more often than you do with them. Or in your home group, some people, they have a connection that's, uh, that helps them to spend time with each other more. That doesn't mean that you are less important to them. It means that hmm, they've got a connection. They've got some stuff going on there. Uh, it doesn't mean they're less committed to you. It means there's some ways that they walk together which are more connected. And for a season, that stage, that event, that situation, that's true. I think that's partly what's going on here. And for us to understand that kind of gives us the privilege or the opportunity or the strength to be involved in a in a group and understand that there's different dynamics that happen, but that doesn't make us less than because others are connected in ways that we're not with those people, but there's some that we are connected with. 
Jesus modeled that in his life. First off, Jesus, yeah, he called his friends. Secondly, as he processed, he was honest. Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. We have that, we have that mirroring of keeping watch, just like we had back in chapter 13. Keep watch, be careful, be ready, don't miss. Be on your guard. Don't miss what I desire for your life. Don't, don't miss what I desire to do in and through you. So Jesus again tells him, keep watch. Now keep watch for him. Keep watch as far as, you know, what's happening. Uh, be aware. But keep watch for you as well. Don't miss this event. Keep watch. But he also says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. This is Jesus. Jesus is the one who has modeled a togetherness. Nothing has affected him in such a way that he's been uh, in a in a flap, um, overly concerned. But the truth of what he is about to enter is overwhelming because that is true. The weight of the sins of mankind he is about to carry and that is overwhelming and it almost takes the very breath out of him. That's true. And he is able to express that to his friends. This is what it's like for me right now, right here. Jesus understands what it's like for you and I when things get overwhelming. There are things in our lives that are overwhelming. Things that you and I perhaps have experienced or have not yet experienced that will shake us to the core because they're true. It could be the loss of a loved one, a family member, a a mom or dad, a son or a daughter, It could be the breaking up of a relationship that you put so much trust in that you expected this was the one that was going to work, but that relationship ends. And it takes, it almost takes the breath right out of you. Could be the loss of a job. You've given 20 years, 25 years, and you expected that this job was going to carry you through. And then there was some changes and the company got sold and you were a number and you could let go and you're wondering, well, I, I gave my life to help this company build and be successful, which was really helpful and really good, you thought that it would be all of what you needed to help you carry through to retirement, and now you've been let go, you've been packaged. God understands those things, and we don't want to deny them. We actually want to be like Jesus and reflect them honestly to the Father so He can help us carry them, and we can honestly give them to Him so we can release them to Him. Jesus was up all night. Have you ever had something that's kept you up all night? Something that's, that's bothered you that you've carried? There are things in our world that sometimes are so overwhelming that they actually keep us awake at night that we continue to renumerate about the truth of what's happening, wondering, what about this, what about that? That's not uncommon. Even though the Lord invites us to peace and be anxious for nothing, there are times where the truth of what's happening is overwhelming and it keeps us awake at night. This was true for Jesus. Sleep, sleep was not coming to him because the truth of the trial that he was entering into and was about to happen. Okay, let's go to verse 35, kind of the next cluster of verses. 35 and 36. Oh, sorry, there's 34. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed. 
that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He prayed, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Hmm. He went a little further. Jesus trusted the Father. He addresses God the Father as Abba. It's an Aramaic word referring to Father. It indicates a caring, intimate affection and devotion to each other. It's personal intimacy with the Father. You know, Jesus never questioned God's love for him. That was never a question. This is his reality. It's incredibly difficult. And he comes to him and he honestly expresses, loving Father in whom I rest in and who I know. Is is there anything we could do here? Could we change this reality? He expresses that to God the Father. Jesus never had a reason to question God's goodness because he walked in intimate relationship with him all the time. That is not quite true for you and I. We... We have not had that ongoing connection and intimacy with the Father all the time. That then is part of what adds to our difficulty when difficult things, trials come our way. But Jesus invites us, like him, to continue to rest in the truth that God is good. He is for us. We can trust him. This happening right now, this thing that's going on, this trial that's true in your life and mine, isn't because God doesn't love you. It's because of the truth of what's happening in our world and what's touching you. And you can rest in the Father's love while you walk through the reality of the trial. Jesus, Jesus, like the psalmist, is being honest and lamenting the truth of what's happening. However, the psalmist often gets to a place where the salvation of the Lord comes. But in this day, for Jesus, salvation will not come to Jesus. He will have to walk and suffer. He will have to walk through the reality of giving his life. His expression, his expression, Father, if you could make this cup pass from me, is the desire of his heart as a man. He rests in the truth of who he is, never questioning his identity, never needing to prove anything to try to be acceptable to the Father. He rests in that. He's not, he's not doing the things he does because he's trying to prove his value. He does the things he does because he knows who he is and he knows his value. He expresses what he would like. He expresses the other dynamic of what he would like. He understands that God has a plan for the redemption of mankind by the giving of his life. He desires to have this cup pass from him, but he also desires to obey what God has for him and fulfill the redemption for mankind, which will mean the laying down of his life. Jesus is honest. As we go through crisis and trials, I believe that we can also be honest and that will also help us as we walk through the difficulties and the challenges of our life. Let's go to 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for an hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and he prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy 
they did not know what to say to him. Couldn't you keep watch for an hour? Watch and pray. He addresses Peter as Simon. He, he had given Simon a new name, which was Peter, Rock, the solid guy. And he's the guy. He's a go-to guy. Now he addresses him as Simon. Peter Peter's an influencer. He's, uh, he's led the crowd in many ways. I mean, he's the guy who said, listen, these guys over here, these, these 11 guys, they can all deny you, but I'm not going to. Jesus comes to him, that leader, and he addresses him, Simon. Why, why you? You're the influencer. Why, why you? Simon, what's going on with you? How come you're not stepping forward and continue to influence and lead and watch and pray with me and watch and pray for you? He addresses him. Be careful that you won't fall into temptation. He desires that they would watch and pray to see God's goodness. He desires that they would watch and pray, be vigilant, so that they would continue to understand what God's asking of them. They would continue to be faithful and loyal and obedient because they would see and understand what God's calling them to, even some difficult things. Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's kind of like they had really good intentions, right? They've, they've, just, they've just declared their undying commitment to Jesus. But here, here they are, they're having trouble even staying awake. And seeing the truth of what is going on in Christ's life as good friends and walking with them, that they're actually missing that point. I'm not sure about yourselves, but have you ever had this... Uh, Thing that you'd like to do and your spirit is willing, but uh, the 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 body kind of is a little weaker on it. You know, we've we've uh, we've been a little less active uh, in our household in these last few months in light of some of the dynamic that's been going on. And uh, hockey's coming up here pretty quick in September. We've gotten some emails on it. We're kind of getting ready for it. It's kind of the formats change a little bit, but uh, I need to kind of get back on the bike and start throwing some weights around a little bit to get ready and. And my spirit uh, is really wanting to do that. And in my own mind's eye, I tell you, I, I can see me walking through the process of doing the exercises, and I can get pretty ripped. And I figure I'll be able to keep up with Brian Clark and kind of stride for stride, stay right beside him. And, uh, you know, the young fellows like the Jake Washingtons who, you know, have blistering speed, I won't be able to keep up with them, but I'll be able to contain them because in my mind's eye, I I, I got to work out that way. And when I work out that way, that's gonna, what's going to happen, except that I... I haven't been working out yet. And uh, my, my spirit's willing, but I'm not following through with it. All right, let, let's, let's take and just unpack that a little bit more. You and I have good intentions, and I think that it's helpful for us to be able to look at it and ask, what is the deep desires of what it is I would like? These disciples had deep desires. Jesus, we love you. We'll follow you to our very death. That was their desire. They didn't follow through. They can recalibrate that, and we know in their lives they did, and many of them died a similar death as Jesus did. In your life and mine, it's helpful and healthy for us to be clear on what it is our spirit would like, the things that God's put on us, the things that we desire. What does Psalms 37 say? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Those things He's put on us. In the busyness of life, let's be careful that we don't miss the things that we deeply desire. 
Let's be careful we don't get tripped up in things in such a way that that down the road we look back and we say, I missed that. That we missed the things that we truly desired. That's an ongoing thing for you and I to continue to take time to evaluate. Well, what is it that I really want here? What is it that I really desire here? What's going on in my life? What do I need to release so I can continue to walk in the direction of the things that I deeply desire? The Spirit is willing. There's lots of things for you and I to get busy with. Lots of things that the neighbors would say, you should do this. You ought to do that. How come you're not doing that? But the Lord has put things in your heart and mind that bear witness with your spirit that you would like to do. Lots of things we have to do. I know we have to vacuum every now and then. I understand that. But there's things that God's put in you that you deeply desire to do. Be clear on them and continue to walk through them. And when you drop the ball, recalibrate and keep going. What's the primary thing in your life that God calls you to and invites you to? The Spirit is willing. The disciples, they're having a little trouble. They're sleeping. He comes back, they're sleeping again. What's what's going on here? How come how come they're sleeping? Well, if we look back a little bit in chapter chapter fourteen, right, they've had a busy time. It's been the Passover, they got ready for it, they've celebrated, and this hasn't been unusual for them. They've done this every year in their life. And every year in their life, they've had a big celebration, they've remembered, they've debated, they've talked, and they were expectant. Many Many believed that Jesus would return, that the Lord's coming would come, the Messiah would come at midnight on Passover. And here they are, it's another Passover. They've had a busy time, the Messiah hasn't come. And so they're in this place of being being tired. It's another Passover, a little lethargic to that reality and disappointed. Those are parts of their reality that make it hard for them to be engaged. Those things are true. What else is true is they have missed the truth of what their good friend, their Messiah, their teacher, they've missed the truth of what it is he's walking into. And as a good friend, they've misunderstood. And so now they're not walking alongside the truth of the crisis that he's entering into and they've missed him. They're not keeping watch. Let's go to the last set of verses here. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes the betrayer. Here we see Christ, who's been diligently, vigilantly, expressing himself to the Father, asking, Lord, can we make this cup pass? He's, he's heard from the Father, we can't. You must walk this for the fulfillment of the redemption of mankind. And now it changes. Now he accepts and he moves forward. Jesus accepted the truth of what God was calling him to. What does enough mean? Mm, different commentaries suggest enough could be, okay, enough sleeping, gentlemen. I hope that you would walk with me. It's enough sleeping. Could be. Enough. Enough. I see the betrayer is here. He's here. It's enough. It's time to go. It could also be enough. I've done enough praying. 
I've talked to the Father. I now accept the truth that this is my reality. And I'll walk through it now. Into it? Through it now. I accept I accept the truth of what's real in my world and in my life. We can apply this to ourselves as well. When you and I are in a difficult situation, we do what we can to carry it, to change it, to see if we can fix it. And sometimes those realities of those trials, are you, you and I are unable to fix. And there comes a time where we change to... I accept it. And we walk through the reality of that child, that challenge, that trial, that loss. We grieve it. We don't, we don't get over it. We walk through it so we can be healed. Jesus in the garden was overcome. He comes through the struggle. And he comes to a place of acceptance. He emerges composed. And once more, he is in charge. Not undone by. He was never undone by, even though he was overwhelmed and almost undone. Because nothing could separate the truth of the Father's love for him. Now he comes to a place of acceptance. He is composed and moves forward. Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he now was giving his life for the ransom of mankind. The Father was asking him to do that. His body was about to be beaten to the point of death. But he never questioned God's love for him. He never questioned his identity. He rested in the truth of the Father's love. In the worst situations that you and I are in, the worst trials that you and I will ever experience, nothing can separate us from the truth that God is with us and God loves us and God is for us. Even though in the loudness of the trial at times, we may not be able to sense his presence because the truth of the trial is so loud. That does not mean that God is not there and not for us. It does not mean that he does not love us. It means the truth of the trial is and the crisis is so loud that physiologically it is overwhelming us. That's not a question of our faith. That's a reflection of the truth of the trial. It's okay for you and I to give ourselves permission at times to acknowledge the truth of the trial and the loudness of it and let ourselves walk through that and let the Lord carry us. What I do want to invite us to is to also continue in that place, to rest in the truth of the Father's love. That nothing can separate us, even though we can't feel it. To understand and rest, even though it's overwhelming to us, that He still is our keeper. It's okay to question, like Jesus did. It's okay to be honest. It's wise to have friends, like Jesus did, that help us, come alongside us. Even though the friends that He had we're unable to see the truth of his crisis. And so he had places in his life where he walked alone. Sometimes your friends and I, mine, are unable to recognize the truth of what it is we're going through and walk alongside of us in the way that we truly would like. But we can trust that Jesus understands and the Father's love is always secure.
we step back, Jesus modeled for us the value of friends, the value of being honest about what's real for us, the reality that he continued to rest in trust in Abba Father, you and I can as well, and then it came to a point where you and I can accept the truth. If even this is true, if this reality of the loss and the trial I'm walking through is what's going to happen, I still am okay. I am more than any given situation, any given loss, any given trial. You and I are more than that. The Lord loves us more than that. One event is not who we are. We can accept the truth of that loss. And in time, we can dream again if the loss is so severe it's taken the very breath out of our lungs because the Lord will walk with us. Our identity is more than that, and He has more plans for us. So as we look at the Garden of Gethsemane, we certainly see what Jesus did for us. We see the heaviness of what He bore. He's the one that gives us salvation because He willingly walked through the trial and gave his life for us and we now have salvation. We can also pull out some of those components about how we can process and walk through deep difficulties and trials in our life, even in this time with COVID and all the things that it's touched, how it's touched us in ways by way of the relationship dynamics that have happened. Maybe maybe the settling of looking at how we thought fall would look like. We thought we were going to do this and that. We thought school would look this way. We thought sports would look this way. We thought our retirement would look this way. And in some cases, it's shaken us to the core because we've rested and we've planned, we've worked towards that. And now what? The Lord understands. He doesn't want us to deny those things. He's okay with us honestly bringing them to Him and resting in Him and knowing that actually... Actually, we're more than any of those given trials. He has more plans for us, even if those things are not working out the way that we had hoped and dreamed and planned. He is with us. So today I invite you to that. As you walk through your trials, keep your friends close. It's good to be honest. Rest and trust in the truth of who God is. And when you come to that place of acceptance, rest in Him. Let's pray together as we, as we close for a minute here. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us and you're never surprised by anything that happens in our lives. Thank you because of that reality, we can trust and rest in you, but also thank you, you love us. And in you, we are more than any given trial, struggle, loss. You, you walk with us through them and it's okay for us to openly express the truth of the difficulty and the hardness, and if we're overwhelmed. You're okay with that. You're okay with hearing those things from us. Because the overwhelmness can be true in some of those things that we've lost. But we are more than that. We will not be undone, and your love never changes. You're always there for us. Help us, Father, to also trust in you. And when we come to that place of acceptance, and we move to a place of dreaming new dreams, because... We are more than those losses. And you have more for us. Lord, we, we, we ask that you'd help us to, to carry the difficulties in our life in the ways that you did so that we can walk in greater freedom as we walk through the reality of the trials and losses in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we go to the going deeper questions, I just want to encourage you, maybe take the questions and during your quiet time as you read through this portion of scripture, pull out those questions and kind of walk through them as you reflect on what we've talked about today and walking through trials. Or if you're meeting with your home group, maybe in a casual basis, this summer maybe meet in the backyard for a time together, uh, sharing and checking in on each other. Maybe pull these questions out and talk about how Christ modeled processing trials and use these questions as a way to kind of continue processing together. All right, let's go to the questions. Jesus processed trials with friends. Jesus called on his friends when he was going into the hardest trial of his life. What are some of the benefits of having friends during difficulties? What makes it hard for you and I to reach out to our friends and to ask for help? That's a good question. List your three closest friends and share why you value them as close friends. What do they do? How do they walk alongside you? What, what, why do you like these people? What is that about? See if you can give language to those things and understand the strength of what it is they carry and how that invites you to walk alongside them and you with them. Secondly, Jesus was honest. Jesus was honest with his friends and himself about how hard this trial was that God was asking him to take. Why do you think that Jesus was so honest with his disciples, his friends? Why do you think that Jesus was honest with Abba Father? What might be some of the reasons for that? How has being honest with God about the struggles in your life affected you and your perspective as you've dealt with the challenges in your life? Next, Jesus was trusting of the Father. Christ trusted God. He never doubted God's love for him. He never had any reason to doubt God's love. Sometimes it is hard to trust in God's love for us when we have struggles and trials in our lives. Why is that? How would knowing and resting in God the Father's love help us in difficult situations where we are overwhelmed? And lastly, Jesus came to a place of acceptance. After Christ had openly expressed himself to the Father, he then accepted what God was asking of him. In your life, when you have tried to change your struggle and you were unable to, how did coming to a place of acceptance affect how you carried or walked through that particular difficult situation. In light of Christ's example, how will you try to work through your next struggle or trial more like the way that Jesus did? Hope that today our message has been encouraging to you, that the things that we've pulled out by way of the Garden of Gethsemane and the road that Jesus walked and how he walked will help you as you look at your life and walk through sometimes struggles in your life. I invite you to consider these things and rest in the truth of who you are in the Father. Blessings to you.